This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here along with the cousins Derek and Tyler. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast, for all podcast updates and more. Before we get into it, Derek received some feedback for his DiCaprio Boodle comments last week during our Top 5 Best Players on Defense segment. Derek kind of knocked DiCaprio Boodle a little bit for his pass interference penalties, and he got some interesting feedback. Derek, what'd you get? Well, I got a feedback from uh, DiCaprio Boodle's brother, Asking me to be a little more accurate and talking about how much DiCaprio Boodle means to this defense. And I, I just want to say, I, 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 I want to apologize because I, I would never, ex- I, I never expected any player's family to hear this. So it, it wasn't fair for me to say some of the things I said about him. Uh, the pass interference thing, like he still led the team for two years straight. He did have a lot of pass interference calls. I, I wasn't all wrong on that, but I probably should have looked more in depth before I really hammered him. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, he was pretty respectful in uh, correcting you. He, for he was that. very respectful. Yeah. He, he was very respectful. And, and, and I, I talked to him a little bit. He was uh, just trying to set a guy straight, I guess. So, nothing, nothing wrong with that. So, is he in your top five now? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right, well, we don't have to talk about okay, that. Let, 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 let me just say this, though. Like, I, I think I give off this uh, vibe that I hate DiCaprio Boodle because I do talk hard on him, and I don't hate DiCaprio Boodle. I also mentioned last week that I, I above anybody else, hope that he proves me wrong, and I do. I hope he does so well and proves me wrong and after 2018, I was all on the DeBoodle train. And then after 2019, I kind of jumped off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. It happens. Uh, losing well, Justin stuff. and I are still definitely on it. And we're all, we're big Boodle guys. And Todd, I think, had him as a first round pick or something ridiculous. But <laughs> uh, no, I, and, and you know, and, and Derek, and, you know, we, you know, great apology. And, you know, I, I think the conversation you guys had were great. And, you know, when we do this podcast, for everyone that's been listening for a while, we try to keep it legit as if we're just talking to each other. And sometimes we do get a little bit uh, hyperbolic and a little bit intense when it comes to pr- player critiques. But let's make no mistake, we are all rooting for every player on this team to thrive. Like, this is not a situation where any of us want to be proven right by saying someone's not, you know, an elite player. We all want to be wrong when we say those things. Absolutely. You know, I mean, we, we've all been critical of people. I've been critical of Caleb Lightborn in the past. I mean, well, <laughs> maybe on. everybody was. Maybe everybody was. All right. Hey, let's move on. We got we do have a roster update to talk about. On Friday night, the Huskers received a commitment from Nadab Joseph, a defensive back out of Independence Community College in Kansas. Uh, it's a solid replacement after losing uh, Jane Francois to the transfer portal last week so Tyler what are your thoughts on this guy yeah I mean I am very high on him you you know you talk about him being a good replacement I think it's an upgrade over both Henry Gray 
uh, and Jaden Francois. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know if we did this. I can't even remember. But if we would have done our top five incoming recruits um, after the 2020 class, and if he would have been in that at that time, he would be in my top five. I mean, this guy is a playmaker. This guy had he was committed at one time or another to Alabama and Georgia. Uh, LSU was in the mix. I mean, this guy is a legit player and has a great athletic pedigree. So I'm excited to see what he can do on the Huskers. Derek, what, what did you think about this guy? I mean, I, I, you know, with everything being said, I should be extremely excited about him. And I want to be, but right now I'm kind of in wait and see mode. Like his numbers look great on the field. Like his, uh, I know they were talking about his four, his 40 time was like a four, four. So he's fast. He's got a good vertical jump. He's got a good broad jump. Uh, and I know it's right up there with some of where the defensive backs are with the NFL combine. Uh, right right now, I'm still just kind of waiting to see mode because I don't know what we're getting out of any of these JUCOs right now. Like, There's really been only one JUCO that you could say has been really great. I don't even call him great, but I mean, call him good. So far, in 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 Frost Juco status here. I mean, I I don't know. Like Mills is the only one that's really worked out so far, right? Uh, well, we will talk about that here in a second. But I just want to keep it focused here on uh, Joseph here, uh, Jeremy Purnell on uh, from Husker Max. He put out a great article talking about this guy. And I tell you, reading this article, if it doesn't get you fired up for some Nadab Joseph, man, I don't know what what won't uh, or what would. Uh, talking about those measurements that you brought up, Derek, a 4.44 in the 40-yard dash, 42-inch vertical jump, and 11-foot broad jump. And Jeremy Purnell, he goes on to put it into perspective. There are 61 defensive backs invited to this year's NFL Combine. Joseph's 40 time would have tied for the seventh fastest amongst them, uh, tied 11th overall amongst all 337 participants. His vertical would have been tied for first among DBs and tied for second overall. And his broad jump would have tied the fourth best mark among DBs and tied for seventh overall. Uh, I mean, those are the best of the best uh, football players. It's one thing to go put up those kind of numbers to be in that top percentile against your peers. But these guys at the uh, combine, those aren't his peers yet. Those guys are the elite. And so putting those numbers up was highly impressive. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, you you talk about that, how high it is. I know Derek's going to bring it up. But I just want to say, you know, some people I respect, uh, football knowledge, football acumen, they believe he has a legit chance to start. And I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but Justin, you just hit on why these guys, everyone's so high on him. Um, you know, I, I do think he can make the two deep, but his athleticism, I, it might be unmatched in our secondary. I, I don't know if we have another pure athlete this good. Um, you know, will it tra- how, how many snaps will it translate to yet to be determined, but I fully expect him to be in our two deep come fall. And that's, you know, if you would have got here in January, who knows? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he's going to have a lot of catching up to do in the playbook. Uh, you know, I mean, this is one of those times where a delayed season would probably behoove us a little bit. You know, get that guy a little extra time in the playbook. So, 
He's got three. He's got three years to play three too. So if he doesn't see the field a ton this year, that doesn't mean this kid doesn't have a bright future. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's and again, you know, Travis Fisher, man, that that dude's my favorite coach on the staff, and he brought in an excellent dude. Derek, do you have something else to add? Well, I, 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 his numbers are great, and that's fine. It just needs to translate on the field. Sure, I, you know, and and, and I I want to see that. I want to see it translate onto the field. Before I get too pumped up for the guy, but Derek, let me let me come at you on this way. But like, there are guys. Omar Manning comes to mind, and I know you're high on Omar Manning. What's the difference between Joseph and Manning? I, okay, I, I'm kind of in the same place with both these guys. Like, yeah, yes, I am high on Manning, but I'm still in wait and see mode with him too. Like, I think he's got potential to be great, and I and I think Joseph has potential to be great. But I'm still in wait and see mode with both of them. Like, we haven't seen either, either one of these guys in a Husker uniform to see what they're going to do yet. Yeah, that's fair. Fair, po- fair points. I mean, I just I think when you look at the recruiting game as a whole, it's all about projection. And when you get a guy that with that kind of talent, the number three overall Juco last year, uh, the number one DB uh, Juco, I mean, that that is, that, that, that is a really, really good gift for the Huskers, especially after losing two four-star <laughs> DBs. I mean, that... That that is a makeup move that we really needed. Hey, and had his grades been on point, this dude would be at probably starting at Alabama right now. Had his grades been on point, and I and I will agree with that. Like, look, I, I'm not I'm not trying to hammer the guy. I just again, I just want to see where he's at. But Tyler, you're right. I mean, it's a huge get, especially with losing Jaden Francois and Henry Gray. And I mean, if his grades would have been good out of high school, he'd be playing for Georgia right now. Yeah. But, again, his academics scare me a little bit. I I would hope that he could fix that while he's here. But, you know, he's he's had troubles academically through high school and junior college. So... He's gonna have to get here. And he's gonna have to work his ass off in the classroom and in the on the field to get where you guys want him to be. Well, and what I, I'll tell you is, go ahead, Justin. I was just gonna say I'm confident he's gonna get there. I mean, we, we, at Nebraska, there haven't been a lot of people that have been in academic trouble. Nate Gary was the last one, and he just kind of gave up. I mean, he, he wasn't committed. But uh, other than that, there there haven't been a lot of academic. Uh, issues because we provide enough resources for these guys to study and make it through. I mean, that that doesn't worry me as much as you, I guess. And I hope you're right on that. I really do. Tyler, what, what were you going to add? Well, I was going to say, last year's number three Juco player was a gentleman named Lakia Henry. He went to Ole Miss and led him in tackles his first year. So, hey, maybe that number three Juco ranking translates to this year. and We have a guy that could come in and be a huge difference maker for us so yeah wasn't Diedrich Mills a number three guy no okay no dang it dang it dang it dang it anyway hey let's move on uh, uh Scott Frost and his staff you know they've really put some work together uh for pulling guys from the junior college ranks uh, we have six scholarship players and one walk-on that were brought on in 2020 alone uh so Derek what are your thoughts on dipping into the junior college ranks for talent? Uh, you know, it, it really, it's hard to say because all the 2018 guys, like nobody's really panned out, but you could also make the argument the whole 2018 class really hasn't panned out outside of a handful of guys. 
So I don't know if you can really say that just because the JUCO guys aren't panning out from that class when the whole class isn't panning out as well as we hoped. I don't know if that's a junior college problem. And everybody else, we're still kind of waiting to see mode. Uh, I, I will say this, uh, and, and I do find this great. Omar Manning was the number two overall JUCO guy, and Joseph was number three overall guy. And we haven't gotten those types of – we've gotten some. We've gotten the number one running back twice out of Greg Bell and Diedrich Mills. But they were still ranked uh, like 18th and 19th in the, in the JUCO ranks. So we haven't gotten these uh, top, top guys out of JUCO like we are these two guys. So maybe, I mean, I guess if there's any reason to give me hope, it's at least that. Tyler, what are your thoughts on dipping into the junior college drinks for talent? As a general rule of thumb, I don't like it. And it, it's as simple as this. is One, you don't have as many years for them in your system. And I'll just kind of highlight Omar Manning, and this isn't what I think he'll do. But let's just say Omar Manning takes a minute to get the playbook. And he, you know, he doesn't excel. Well, then we're left with only one year of him fully ingrained in the system. I, I you know, I, as a general of thumb, you lose eligibility years with these guys. Um, so don't love it. Secondly, you have to look at why these guys go to JUCO. And there's usually three main reasons why an individual will go to junior college. One, academics. Two, trouble. Or three, they, they did not rate well on high school. Now, that could be overlooked. It could be they just simply, you know, were a late bloomer. But these guys generally, if, if it's not academics are there, they're going to JUCO. It's it's because they're not uh, that top tier talent. So it, it gives me a little bit of hesitant because there is usually a, well, they don't have this. And, and, and while the JUCO ranks have been good in Nebraska history, where guys like Mike Rogier and Levante David and Zachary Bowman – all came from the JUCO ranks. As a general rule of thumb, I wouldn't like to see seven guys come from JUCO in one recruiting class. I, that that is a that's not, I believe, the recipe for long term development. Well, okay, I got a couple of things to rebuttal there. First off, they're not looking for long term development; they're looking for a quick turnaround. They've had troubles with this defense, and so they went out and got some defensive guys that they think can help immediately to try and turn it around. Second off, you're you're also forgetting when you're talking about ju- raising people go to JUCO, you're forgetting people like Will Honus, and there's there's more of them out there than you think. Where, yeah, he didn't get ranked high, but a lot of it was because he missed his senior year because of an injury. His grades were fine, but he just didn't get graded out because because he got hurt and missed a season, and and that does happen. And Will Honus, again, we're kind of on the bubble right now. He, I mean, he was second-leading tackler last year. I have him up there pretty high in my defensive rankings. But we're really kind of still in wait and see mode with him even. Well, and, and you're right, Derek. And like I said, I, you know, just because someone doesn't rank high, there's a lot of reasons that could be. Injury could be one of them. Um, two, there's nothing wrong with a late bloomer. I mean, that that's fine. I mean, these guys translate. They work hard. All the power to them. Or maybe they went to a school that just didn't rank and or their family didn't have the – resources again the, there's a lot of reasons why they could fly under the radar so again i'm not trying to damn all juco products but as a general rule it, it, it just is not how i want to build a program but to your point derek and i do think it's a good one i think the staff identified that our defense has been underperforming and we need to go out and get some guys and i think a lot of these juco's we got are gonna play and they're gonna be a big part of this defense in the 2020 season 
So in 2018, uh, Frost grabbed five JUCO guys. Mike Williams, Will Honus, Greg Bell, Deontay Williams, and Jaron Woodyard. In 2019, there's just one JC uh, commit, Diedrich Mills. And Two. Came, Two. You're forgetting about Kim Green. Oh, Kim Green. Oh, yes. Two. I have, yeah. Actually, what year is Desmond and, and te- Bland? Te- technic- technically, there was three, but Desmond Bland never made it to campus. With who? Desmond Bland. Desmond Bland. Okay. All right. Well, shoot. Maybe uh, maybe the numbers aren't that great. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I thought like 2020 just seemed like an anomaly to me and just because of the urgency after the first two years there. Well, and it can be. I mean, three three's not that bad. Like if you want to take one or two guys and you pick up a third guy from Juco each year, I'm okay with that. I don't like the seven guys. Like I think that's a bit much. But again, look at look at who they've picked up. They out of all the guys they picked up, six of them are defensive guys. There's only one wide receiver. Yeah. Well, and, and then I want to bring up how much I think the JUCOs are going to impact this team this year. I mean, I project there to be four former junior college guys that are going to be in the starting lineup come fall with Deontay Williams, Will Honus, Dedrick Mills, and Omar Manning. That's in total of 18% of our starters are from the junior college ranks. On the defense, if I was going to project the two deep, I could see there being six guys from junior college, which is 27% of our two deep defensive ends. We are going to be heavily reliant on the junior college things. And we talked about this either last week or a few weeks ago. Nebraska needs a thing. And while my preference isn't to be recruiting JUCOs, Hell, if we be, can become the premier junior college recruiting ground and get these guys that can contribute and be playmakers, that's that's a thing, and and maybe that becomes a Nebraska thing. Yeah, and also Chase Contreras. Don't you expect him to pick up kicking duties? Yet to be determined. I, I assume so. Absolutely. And that's a new another JUCO, but he's a walk on, so I I didn't really count him in there, I guess. But uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, right now we're, we're it's like I said, I, we're just in wait and see mode on all these guys. And Tyler, I hope you're right. Like I I know Deontay Williams is going to start. I know Will Honus is going to start, and Dedrick Mills is going to start. Omar Manning, I hope he starts because I hope he's as good as what I'm expecting him to be. Uh, you get into the two deep. I, I guess I, I'd have to know who you have ha, having your two deep with those, but I mean guys, I, guys like Joseph, I think will be there. I think uh, uh, Clements could be in is the two deep, and I think you look at either a Jordan Riley, uh, uh, Green, or Payne. I, I could see two of those three guys making the two deep at defensive line. Yeah, um, I agree, my, and that's all, and, and that's all fair. But, but let me ask you this. Would you rather have a Juco guy come here and have two or three years to play or a transfer guy that gets one year like a Ken of Inoa? Oh, JC guy all the way. I mean, I don't know. Ty- Tyler's thinking a little harder about it than Justin well, is. I mean, okay, so Noah is not a great example because yeah, obviously it's production. Yeah. But, like a Russell Wilson maybe? Yeah, <laughs> if we could get Russell Wilson. Yeah, but how many Russell Wilsons, Wilsons are there? I mean, you don't you just don't see it very often where these grad transfers really pan out that much. Yeah, I not mean, like a Russell Wilson at least. I mean, Darian, da- he's Darian the other Daniels, end of the spectrum Darian of Daniels, Noah. 
Darian Daniels came in, and he was a really good impact player for us last year. Uh, another grad transfer, one year of eligibility. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, it, it it's so hit or miss. I think I'd actually prefer the one year because, again, I think that you're – you have a little bit more division one film on them and you have a little bit better idea what they'll project. I feel, I mean, again, no is not the greatest, but Darian Daniels was a good example, but I, I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I have a strong preference on that. Uh, so moving on, it's the last week of July conferences still have not decided on a schedule for 2020 yet. Uh, so what do you think the conferences are going to do, and what do you want to see happen, Tyler? Well, let's start with what what's out there right now for the conferences, okay? So the Big Ten announced on July 9th that they are going to a conference-only schedule. And at the time of this recording, no one knows if that's going to be 9 games, 10 games, or like Bill Moose's wish, 12 games. So we know it's going to be conference-only. Big 12 sounds committed to play 12 games and keep their schedule as normal as possible. The Pac-12 is going to go to a delayed start, and they're looking to play 9 or 10 games. The ACC is looking to play 9 to 10 conference games, plus 1 with a delayed start. And the SEC is between 10 to 12 games, depending on if they can start on time. So, with conference and non-conference. So, there's a lot of different, every conference is doing something different. So that that is where we are at the time of this recording of what the conferences are going to do. Yeah, and Bullsby from the Big Twelve, he said today that you know he's like not all conferences have to do the same thing. I mean, it, it's okay if they do different things, which I agree with. You have to do what suits your region of the country, right? And uh, I, th- that's fine by me. I, I hope we get more games. I know. The Pac-12, they're probably going to be a lot more strict, restrictive in their scheduling than other conferences. So is the Big uh, 12. But if the Big 12, if they want to go out and play a 12 full games, hey, I'm all for it. As long as I can watch it. Here's my only problem is where, where does it come as far as if we have a playoff, if we have a postseason and everything, where, do, where does this fall into? Because does a Big Twelve team who's eleven and one beat out a nine and one Big Ten team because the Big Ten team only played nine games or ten games? Sorry, I like. Did do you get punished for only playing the ten games as opposed to twelve games that the other conferences played? Because uh, if that's the case, and I don't like what they're doing at all. So, what do you want to see happen? I would like everybody to play 12 games, but well, I understand yeah. that's probably just not going to happen. Uh, I, I would like to see a little bit of uniformity. Like, if it was, let all the conferences get together and do the same damn thing myself. I, I just don't, I don't see that at all. I don't think you'll ever get them to agree uh, to do this exact same thing. Otherwise, everybody would be doing, be uniform right now in their scheduling. That's just not in the cards, especially in just one year where this pandemic affects different regions of the country differently. It's, it's, it's tough. Well, I mean, I, I think there's a couple things. One, I mean, both the Big 12 and the ACC commissioners have come out and said that they are expecting there to be hiccups in the season. That. Yeah. 
and, and disruptions and things that happen. So, you know, I think we just need to prepare that no matter what the schedule is, it's probably not going to play out that way. But the second thing is, is if we if we can get into what I would wish the Big Ten would do. And I want to throw out, before I get to what I want to say, I want to throw out a couple things that have been thrown out by coaches or respected media members. And the first one is somebody threw out, or it's got a lot of traction, of the Big Ten moving rivalry games to the early part of the season so they can get played for sure. And I'm curious if you guys like that, hate it, or kind of indifferent on that. Derek, go ahead. I'm indifferent on it, and maybe a lot of it has to do with the lack of rivalry for Nebraska right now. Like, I mean, am I going to be upset if we don't play Iowa? Not really. I don't think it's a game that has to be played. But, I mean, I guess if you're going to talk to me about would I rather play Iowa or Rutgers, I'd probably rather sit and watch an Iowa-Nebraska game than a Nebraska-Rutgers game. So I, I... I guess I'm just indifferent on that. Like, it doesn't phase me one way or the other. I think it would be weird to see, like, uh, Ohio State-Michigan played in the early part of the year. That that just doesn't sound right to me. Uh, you know, so, like, Nebraska playing, you know, their rivalries. I mean, it doesn't – yeah, you, Derek, you're on to something. The rivalries – what is a rivalry for – who is a rival for Nebraska? Fans kind of want this Iowa thing, but are they? I mean, Wisconsin kind of want that. I don't care when they're played. I mean, Tyler, I mean, what, what games are really affected? Are the big rivalry games outside of Ohio State, Michigan? I think you look at Ohio State-Michigan, Michigan-Michigan State, uh, Wisconsin-Minnesota. I mean, outside of those games, you know, I, I don't. To your point, I don't know if Nebraska really falls into that. I mean, I would say Iowa would be our closest thing to a rival. Um, you know, I mean, maybe a Purdue, Indiana, maybe a Northwestern Illinois. But again, I don't know if the world is going to part ways if something happens and we don't get Illinois Northwestern. I mean, yeah. I, I to me, this is a comment meant around the Ohio State-Michigan game. Yeah. That they, they want that game to get played. They want it to get played early to make sure that's on the books because it'll do a lot of ratings. Oh, yeah. Okay, for, so from a, a TV revenue standpoint, I completely agree. That's that's a big moneymaker. That's probably the most watched game in the Big Ten. Has to be the most watched Among the highest in the country. Yeah. I mean, I mean, especially if you're now playing that game in September when – Big 12 is playing in Southern Illinois, and the SEC is playing. Not, I mean, if you put that game on September 21st, let's say, I mean, that game could do a huge rating. You're not competing anymore. It, yeah, I mean, everyone would tune in. Do you really want to see these teams square off in week three? I mean, I don't, like maybe week five, week six. I don't, want to, I don't want to play too early in the season. I think if you... I want the teams to be uh, getting to where they're really good. You know, I, I I'll be honest. If it does involve Nebraska, I I don't really care. Well, that's now fair. do I want to now do I want to play Wisconsin week two? No, I don't. I mean, I I really don't want to play them early in the year. I don't really want to play Iowa week one. I I don't want those things. Um, but 
if, if they leave Nebraska kind of on our own and say we don't really have a rivalry, I think that would play in our ability to maybe avoid some of those tougher matchups until mid-season to where maybe peaking. Yeah. Do you guys support like a split season, uh, you know, half in fall and half in spring? Are you guys on board with uh, any of that talk? Not particularly. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know what that does for anything, I guess. I, I don't understand. I don't even understand why that's even being brought up. Yeah. Like, th- this virus isn't going to go just suddenly go away in the spring. So I don't know what splitting the season up really does for you. Like, let's just get let's get it going. Keep it going. For as long as we can keep it going. <laughs> damn right. Let's, let's just do this shit. Well, Come on. Again, if you only get seven or eight games, that's what it is. And then to to that point, Justin... You know, what I don't like about it is if you feel that a split season's gonna have to happen, I I as much as I hate this and I and, and I will say I don't like this thought, but if it's if you're telling me my two options are a split season or a really delayed start, whether it be November or even going into January, I'd prefer the really late start. Because I think the split season there, it's just it changes everything. It, it it you I don't even know how you manage that. If you're a team in your first half of the season, you go, let's just say, it's a ten game season. They split five and five. Let's say you go two and three. Those seniors or those NFL prospects are they really going to come out for that second half? I mean, I just I hate I of all the things out there, I hate the split season more than I hate anything else. Because I just think it changes everything about college football. Yeah, and that I'm I'm with you on that, Tyler. I was kind of thinking the same thing. I, I didn't like the split season, and I really didn't like the spring season either. Just for that reason, uh, I think uh, we're gonna you would miss out on a lot of great football players uh, in NCAA. I, everyone that knows that they're gonna get drafted, they're not gonna play. I mean, you you see people sit out in the bowl games. A lot of these guys are going to sit out if the whole regular season. If you're just, if they're worried about one game about getting hurt, imagine playing a full season. You're going to see some guys that will play because they're just those. They have that type of competitive nature, and that's their character. They want to go out there and compete. But you're going to see a lot of cool dudes out there uh, that are just going to sit this one out. You know, uh, Trevor well, Lawrence I, comes I, to mind. It's like it, he'd be stupid to go on and play in the spring. I mean, it, it, go ahead, Derek. Well, there, there, you know, you know, there's another side to this. Like people aren't thinking about. Like, what, what about the safety side of it? Like, you're gonna have. I mean, because I assume 2021 season is gonna start on time. So you're gonna have a season and a half or whatever in one year. I, at what point does that start to hinder? players and i don't want to see players end up quitting because we're already seeing guys retire earlier and earlier because because of the the dangers of football so i don't want to see it turn into a situation where guys are wanting to quit more now because they don't want to play two seasons in one year yeah so something that has on this line gained traction not a spring season but they a few ad's came out in the big 10 and were supportive of the thought of the delayed start and letting the NFL kind of establishing a little bit better blueprint of what this will look like. 
and and what that delayed start looks like obviously is speculation some people think mid-october some think in early november i mean if you if you were to have a nine game season you start in mid-october you in theory could be done by january which is okay it's okay yeah, you're, but, you're you're in a fine situation at that point well and that sounds fine and dandy but you're talking about an apple and an orange here because the NFL's got half the size, half the roster size of a college football team. And you're talking about what a quarter of the teams. Like at, at some point it's, it's not, it's not the same thing. It's going to be a lot harder to quarantine all of college football players compared to an NFL team. You, you, you're probably right. And, and I, and one thing I just wanted to throw out is, you know, obviously a big deal broke with baseball this week with the Marlins, right. how they just completely blew up. But the thing that I found interesting is that in baseball, of all the tests that have been conducted, which is over 30,000 tests, which is insane to think about that many tests, they have a 0.3 positivity rate. And so the Marlins probably make up a damn near half of that. I mean, I, I, I think that you need. But again, it. you're talking about a 30 man roster compared to teams that have 130, 140 players. Yeah, but I mean, you, we've been doing this like tr- voluntary training, and you've seen schools like Ohio State, Maryland, Indiana, and then most recently Michigan State and Rutgers have major issues. And for the most part, most of the other schools have been fine. So I, I don't know how much – again, safety is obviously the most important thing. And if a, a kid dies because of COVID, because of football, that would just be tragic. But it's – it's I feel like think, schools are doing the right things and they're establishing that. So I yeah. don't know. It, it will be interesting to see. I mean schools like Michigan State, Ruggers, it's probably an overabundance of caution – that they shut down for two weeks. Uh, I mean, to me, it seems a little uh, outrageous. I don't know why you'd shut it down, but you know what? Player safety is that uh, is that stake there. So I, I don't fault them for that, but I think overall they're all going to be doing that. What's that, Derek? Here, here's my other problem with it. Like, yes, you bring up the Marlins and – there was this big outbreak in the Marlins, uh, their whole system there. And the first thing that was brought up was, are we going to shut down baseball? Now they haven't done it, and it doesn't sound like they're going to right now. But at what point, if, if we have another team with an outbreak like this, are we going to su- suddenly shut down baseball? Because that's my worry. If, if, if a big team like an Alabama or an Ohio State midseason has a big outbreak, are we going to su- suddenly go, well, maybe we need to shut it down? And it, it may it may happen that way. I I believe that football is easier to manage the COVID risk than baseball because you're you're going to be in and out of town in one day. You're so you're not going to be stuck in a hotel, and I believe that you have a lot smaller season to isolate. When, I guess a lot fewer games to isolate. When these guys are on the road, who knows what they're doing? They're professional athletes with a lot of downtime. I think that in college football, you can really put some procedures in place to isolate these kids on campus to keep them safe. And as far as travel, I mean, you could go in. If you're playing a 230 kickoff, 
You could get in there that morning and leave that night. And it may not be at most ideal in the world, but it can be done. That, that may be true, but the problem is, like, baseball is a sport that you can social distance while you're still doing it, for the most part. Football's not a sport you can social distance. Like, you're going head-to-head, spitting in each other's faces, basically. But that, but that's which is where which is where the lot of the big problem comes. Well, but that's but that's team versus team. Like I I I don't believe the Marlins got it by playing the Phillies. the The problem is the Marlins got it from either the hotel or before they got there. Yeah, and somebody got and it and it spread in the clubhouse. The, 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 but that's the problem. One guy got it, it spread in the clubhouse, and they could have spread it way worse if that had been a football game and one guy had it. God knows how far that would have spread compared to a baseball game. Well, we'll and, find and again, out if, if somebody from the Phillies, if they get COVID, and then maybe you could pinpoint to that time where that guy interacted uh, with that Marlin. But to Tyler's point, Major League Baseball is being played every single day, you know, and they're always traveling. College football, NFL, you got one game a week. You can have so much more testing during the week when you're away from everybody, it's easier to manage, I think. And if somebody tests positive, you can pull them off without sending them on the road. Where Major League, they're just, you know, they're going to be traveling before they get the results back. I think that's where one advantage that college football has. Yeah, I I agree. And, And so I guess my last thing I wanted to ask as far as scenarios, obviously the Big Ten is being talked about nine games, 10 games, 12 games. It's being talked about the crossover games. Do those happen at the beginning of the year or the end of the year? You know, do you split the you know the the interconference non divisional games up? How do you how would you like to see the Big Ten structure this season, Derek? Yeah, you know, I again, I, I, I with as a Nebraska fan, I don't care. Just play some damn games because again, I'm, I'm talking. We'll go back to your rivals conversation earlier. I don't think Nebraska has that one specific rival that I just have to see us play. Uh, as far as cross-division games, there's no team across division that I just think we have to play. I mean, there's teams I'd rather play because I think we have a better chance of winning. But as far as the structure goes, I really don't care. Just play some damn games. So that's my only concern. So looking at the schedule as it sits for 2020, I would rather play all of our division guys first. Play everybody there first. And then we can... Uh, have like uh, you know Ruggers and Penn State, then finish up the year with Ohio State. That's what I would like to see, because if the season gets cut short, you miss out on the two uh, toughest games. That's where I'm leaning. It feels up to me. So what what I would like to see in the Big Ten is I like to see him go to a ten game format. I think ten gives a little bit of flexibility. I think I would like to see one crossover game to start the year. So that way, if we do end up having to delay the start and you have to cancel a game, it's not a divisional game. And then I'd like to see him play all the divisional games and then the the next three interconference. And I'd like to see two uniform buys throughout the season. So if you do have to have a makeup game, you have a window to get there. That That's the format I want to see the Big Ten do. I don't want to see 12 games. I think you can get 10 in. I don't need, know why nine's even on the board. So I think you do that. You have the one, you know, maybe Nebraska draws Michigan State. 
and we played them week one, and then you go all division, and then you go, you know, Rutgers, Penn State, Ohio State, the end of the year. And that that's what I'd like to see. I like that. I would second that. I I, I would second the uh, bye weeks. Like, I, I do agree with you on that. As far as playing one cross-divisional game early, I mean, it's a, it's a crapshoot. Like, you're you're just anticipating maybe having to have, have that one late start game. But it could be in the middle of the damn year where you have to miss a week. No, no one really knows when the outbreak could come. So I don't know that moving the cross-divisional game to the early would fix that. But I do, I do 100% agree with having uniform bye weeks, two of them. So if you do have that outbreak, you can make it up. And every team can make up the week without having to try and reschedule too much. So do you think if there's any issue uh, any issue throughout the season with COVID that they would cancel conference championship games? Is there a scenario that that occurs? Sure. I, we're in a time where anything gets <laughs> yeah, canceled. Yeah. Shit, I, who knows? Possible, unlikely. I, I, if the Big Ten could find a way to get to six games, I, I think they're going to go to conference. If, if, if things get really bad, I think they're going to find a way to get to conference title. I, I really do. I think that you really want to get those conference championships. The Pac-12 has alluded to the same thing. And, and their proposal, they have three different dates outlined for the Pac-12 championship because they understand how important it is. And in this year of college football, where there is a very strong possibility that there won't be a playoff, I think these conference, they want the conference championships so they can lay claim to a national championship. And I think it would be very hard to without a conference title. And so I think they will do, if there is one thing that I am sure about, is or a high probability, there will be a conference championship played in the Big Ten this year. So does that make it that we're going to have five national championships this year? Or like not championships, but like we're gonna have five national champions walking around bragging, "Hey, we got a championship this year." UCF will like, take one. We gonna, UCF will take one for sure. <laughs> there, there, this will be a year that there will be the AP and there will be the coaches, and everyone's gonna have their own national champion, and there probably will be controversy. And you know what? So be it. Yeah. I mean, again, I would love a playoff. Obviously. I guess I'll get your guys' thought on this before maybe we get out of this, but what are your thoughts on this year if you have to cut the season on an expanded playoff? Oh, I would love... Okay, this year, I would love it. This year, I... Th- I, would lo- I would love it every year, so, I mean, it is what it is. Hey, look, it, in a season where not every conference is going to be playing every conference and out-of-conference games, uh, you know, Pac-12, Big Ten, uh, who knows what other conferences will do, you're not going to get that sample to see uh, kind of weigh which conferences are better than any others in this year. So if you want to go to an eight-team playoff, uh, I would support that. I don't know if I'd want to go beyond an eight-team playoff if there's conference championships. But eight, eight I could get behind this year. And that's fair, but... You know, you kind of you sat here and talked about how you didn't want to see Ohio State and Michigan play each other too early in the year, but 
then you sit here and talk about conferences playing against each other too early, in, and they always play early in the year. Yeah. So, I mean, there's possibilities. There's These are the possibilities every year. Like, player teams get better. Teams get on a roll. Teams get hot. Yeah. So, I I mean, I don't know. We, we've had the, the eight-team discussion, the eight-team playoff discussion. I would like to see that every year. Uh, but I, I don't know. I just don't know how much you gain from non-con schedules on who's the better conference. You well, get, I think you get a much better judge of that in bowl season than you do in non-conference schedules. So to take it further, I mean, with, when everybody's not playing the same amount of games, if everyone's not going to be playing 12 games, if it's going to be from 9 to 12, uh, you know, wherever that may be, I think uh, it's okay to expand it just because not everybody had to battle through 12 games. So, so let me ask you, let me ask you this, Justin. So just because we've had this argument for a couple of years now, four or five, six years now, uh, what would what would be your format for an eight team playoff? Conference champions, number one, all conference champions so, would play. So, it. so what if a what if a three loss Wisconsin team ends up upsetting an Ohio State team, who is that's their only loss? Automatic berth and then three out largest. So you're you're putting a three loss Wisconsin team into a playoff and this year? Yeah, if you're going to expand eight, I think you have to. I don't think you can leave out conference champions this year. If you're going to expand uh, it, because that's always that's always been your argument as to why not to go to an eight team playoff is because of a scenario like that. Yeah, you didn't want to see a three loss team get in there. Well, and, and this year, when a screwed up year as it is, I think to expand it, you have to have some rules. You have to have hard rules. Well, and, and, and to that, I, I, let me go this way. I, I think that what the scenario you are probably more likely going to see this year is you're going to see a a ten and two Big Twelve team and a nine and one Big Ten team. And, and how do you begin to distinguish the difference in that? I mean, like how? I mean, how do you really go about really breaking that up? And so, I, I again. I'm kind of with Derek. I, I lean towards eight. I think that's where we'll, in 20 years, you know, assuming there's still college football, we'll be there. But so I like the eight every year. But I think this year, there is even more, there's going to be even more debate because there's less chances to have losses. If, if the SEC plays 10 games and the, and the ACC plays, I mean, it's just, it's going to be so different that I think that. You're going to have a lot more nine and one teams out there this year because there's just going to be fewer chances to lose. Yeah, I mean, but you wouldn't want to see it beyond eight, though, would you? No, I think eight. I, I think eight's the eight number. is adequate for this year. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, I've I've never once at been an advocate for anything more than eight. Like anything more than eight is just too much. And so it's just yeah. So, you know, at the end of the day, if this is if eight teams comes out and it works out perfect, maybe it is a precursor to expanding to eight from, you know, a couple years from now. I mean, maybe we do advance from it. But if you're going to trial eight games or an eight team playoff, this is the year to do it. Well, especially if you look at the business of college football, I if, if I'm cutting something in college football, it's bowl season. I mean, you're talking about a lot of basically exhibition games. 
Here would be my proposal with bowl games is you eliminate them, but you give every team the practices. And there is no it doesn't you can go three and seven or whatever, three and six, and you still get the practices and you allow the teams to kind of get some extra practices and you just get rid of the bowl games this year because I just think the the extra travel I mean you think about how the bowl system is these kids go to places for a full week I mean do you really want if Nebraska makes a bowl I mean for the safety of the players if things are about where they are today do you want to see them down in Orlando for seven days leading up to the bowl game like I would argue Tyler that if they went in a 10 game uh, scenario if they went five and five six and four whatever and they're bowl eligible I guarantee there's some a lot of seniors on this team that want to go play in that bowl game. They don't want to sit at home. Absolutely. I, I, they you, want to, you, but you should can, they? You, you first, yeah, they should. Sure, sure they should. They should be rewarded with that. Sure. Because it's not just the game. It's not just the extra practices for these kids. You know, they get, they get first off, they get packages when they for going to these bowl games that I think they all enjoy. Second off, I think they enjoy being able to travel. And not all these seniors are going to go pro, so this is going to be their last chance to travel because most of these kids are going to go out and have to get a real job. And there's no there's no guarantee they're going to be able to travel again like that. So I, I think it's – I love bowl season, and I think I would hate to see <laughs> and it And nobody's canceled. played on a, in a bowl game on this team. Not one person's played in a bowl game on this team. So, yeah, And you're right. I, again, I trust me, I would want it. I, I don't get me confused. I just think the logistics of it is really, really. I mean, I can't imagine a scenario where they have, if they have a bowl season, it would be like they have had in the past. I can't imagine they send these kids and have them be out in these communities. And I mean, it. The, so, we'd have to be so, in a different world. We'd have to be in a different world than we are today. Okay. Okay. So maybe instead of traveling there and staying there for a whole week. You do like you do with the bowl games now or with the road games that you're going to do during the season where you try to travel in same day and travel out same day. Like, why get rid of the whole bowl game just because you can't stay there for a whole week? Because I just think it's a lot of travel for a lot of different teams. I mean, you're, you're it's the same. It's really the same amount of teams. Well, I mean, no, but it's I mean, you're, you're having two teams travel now. You're having two teams put up in yeah, hotels, but, but you only have half the teams playing. So, I mean, you essentially have about the same teams traveling. Well, but you have you have a lot of every team would have to travel. They'd all have to stay in a hotel. And I know there's been a lot of debate like, well, Nebraska goes plays at Rutgers. That's a long distance. And that's true. But a majority of the games are not that far where you could do same day in, same day out. It would be hard for me to imagine that if we had to go play in Orlando. I can't imagine we could get in there the same day and leave the same day. All right. So you stay. So you stay at night. Like, is that really that big of a deal? I mean, as, as, as long as you as long as you get a hotel who's willing to accommodate them and sanitize their shit before you get in there, I would say that kind of kills the bull experience for those guys. You know, I mean, part of it is because it's a kind of a vacation, you know. But you know, I, I get Tyler. I get your point. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know how appealing it would be if they had to fly in what on one day, you know. Arrive at eight o'clock in the morning, play your game at two thirty, and haul ass right after the game. And again, I, I think the kids. I think a lot of kids would want it. I think a lot of kids would want it still. But I just think 
I mean, we're already at a point where I'm sure a lot of these kids want to play 12 games. They want to play as many. I mean, this is their chance. They don't want to. And and if you're having to cut things, I'm just saying, to me, the bowl season, and that goes why I think the 18 playoff makes even more sense because there's a lot fewer teams. It can generate some more revenues, some big-time games, and you can definitely do a little bit more controlled examples in this situation. All right. Well, we will uh, we will await on what decisions the NCAA are going to make this week. Hopefully, by the time we come to this podcast next week, we have a little bit more clarity on the season schedules and whatnot. But it is time for last call. No topics are off limits. Last call to you, Tyler. My last call goes to one of my favorite local journalists, and Stephen Sipple. And he came out with an article with some bold predictions, bold bold takes. And one of which I found just really interesting is he had Adrian Martinez as the best quarterback in the Big Ten West. And I will tell you this. If Adrian Martinez is, in fact, the best quarterback in the Big Ten West, like he predicts, I am excited, more excited for this season than I was because we will win a lot more games than I expect if he is, in fact, the best quarterback in this division. Derek? Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I mean, we still have to have a defense that can stop somebody. But, I mean, there's no reason to believe he can't be the best quarterback in the Big Ten West. I mean, really, who is he competing with? Tanner Morgan's probably the number one guy that he's competing with yeah. as far as that spot goes. And honestly, I his athleticism, his athleticism is definitely better than Tanner Morgan's. But he's got to be an all-around better quarterback. And if he gets if if the wide receivers that we're hoping are going to pan out, pan out, yes, he can be that guy. And but he's still got to get the ball to him and We'll see what happens, I guess. You know, one thing you, you got to love about Simple, man, he is an eternal optimist. He is the epitome of a Husker homer. He really is. But that take is a little bit too much for me. I mean, I think I think Tanner Morgan, I'm, I'm high on t- Tanner Morgan. He's the best guy. And it doesn't mean that Adrian Martinez is a bad quarterback, but I don't know if he's close to Tanner Morgan. I mean, if you guys had to grade him, Grade the West. I mean, are you putting Tanner Morgan at number one? Truthfully, most likely. Yeah, most likely. But it's it's all judged off last year. But yeah, I mean, if we, if we had judged them on their freshman year, I would have put Adrian Martinez ahead of him easily. Well, I mean, it's recency bias. I mean, last year, I mean, Tanner Morgan, he was a, he balled out. Tyler, I, again, I would say Tanner Morgan is the best quarterback in the West. I don't know how big that gap is. Um, but again, if, if to simple's point, I mean, Tanner Morgan played with a lot more talent around him than Adrian Martinez did. So obviously the quarterback gets all the blame. So may, maybe he's on to something. Maybe he's on to something. Last call to you, Derek. All right. So as we all know, baseball started back up. Tyler already kind of spoiled a little bit. I was going to talk about with the Marlins and, uh, having three guys with COVID going in and playing, tested positive before they played Sunday and went ahead and played the game. And so they had to cancel some Yankees and Phillies games. And, man, ever since then, the Marlins have had, I think, up to 15, what did you say, 11 or 15 guys? 17. 
Is it 17? It's just outrageous how many guys. Uh, there's a lot of rumors that they were out partying. I don't know if that's true. But at the end of the day, they don't matter anyway. Cubs are in first place, and they're in last place. So just cut that. Just cut the Marlins off the face of the planet, and let's keep playing baseball. Yeah, nobody knows they even exist anyway. Uh, but, yeah, MLB's back. It's good. Uh, it hasn't been very good on my betting account, but uh, hopefully we get that turned around. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, it's good to have sports back. I'll tell you, I'm more excited for NBA that comes out Thursday, but um, yeah, it's good to have baseball back. I'll tell you, I, I don't know if I love the product. I It's, it's man, I, the no fans has taken a lot more out of it than I thought. It is kind of weird. Um, oh, and but it's... The piped-in crowd noise is freaking annoying. It really is. And seeing the cardboard cutouts, actually, the cardboard cutouts, that, that's that's okay. You know what I hate? When they try to digitally enhance the crowd in some of the shots there. It's like, Well, that's only Fox. It's only Fox. I get it. But it's like, come on. I mean, we know they're not there. I mean, in every other shot, they're not there. I mean, it, it's, it is cheesy. I will say this. I have not been affected whatsoever by the fans. Like, I've loved watching the games. I will say, I will agree with you, Justin, on the digitally enhanced players. They're bringing in PlayStation fans in there. Yeah, it's cheesy. It, it would be different if you could like find a way to leave them there and make it look like they were actually there. But you got one shot where the seats are completely empty, <laughs> and then you got another shot where it looks like the stands are full, yeah. except for the front, except for the front like 10 rows, because apparently you can't fill those. But I, yeah. I, as far as the, the, no sta- the no fans in the stands, it hasn't really affected me at all. I, I don't care. I don't really pay attention to the background noise of the fans cheering. I I'm more watching the game. But you notice it. You and notice it. You know that there's... I, I don't. I, I, I guess I notice it, but I don't. it doesn't bother me. I don't care. And I'm going to tell you right now, if college fo- or any if a football period has to go that same route, I won't give two shits if there's fans in the stands or not. As long as it's not the digitally enhanced fans, because that just looks lame. It really does. Well, I, it, it, can, it can look lame, and I'm fine with that. I just, just want to see the game. I mean, I don't know if you guys heard, Ohio State said they're going to allow 20% uh, of their fans in attendance. Illinois said something different. I mean, it will be curious. It'll be interesting to see, you know, Ohio, the the shoe with only 20,000 people in attendance. Like, that will be an interesting sight. The the other part of that question is going to be, are they going to allow visitor fans there? Like, is it it just a 20% all Ohio State fans? I don't know. Are they still going to allow other fans in the stands? As long as it's only at twenty percent, that that's where I think the big questions are going to come into. I think it would look a, a lot more weird uh, at Ruggers when they only allow five hundred fans. <laughs> that's that's crazy. It's going to look like a full capacity there. Oh my goodness! All right, last call to me, and my last call is going to go out to Iron Mike Tyson. He recently announced that there's going to be a exhibition, eight round exhibition bout against Roy Jones Jr. on September 12th. Now, I grew up a huge Mike Tyson fan. Derek, I know you did. We were big Mike Tyson fans back in the day. So Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited for this. Uh, something a little bit goofy in this exhibition. Uh, they have like special rules. 
And one of the rules is like they're not going for any knockout punches or something. I don't know how you control that in a in a fight, but it, it's it's interesting. You know, I'm really excited for this. This is what boxing needed, you know, 20 years ago. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, better late than never, you know? Come on. Tatter? I, I mean, I can't say I'm excited for this. I mean, this is, I mean, if this was 20 years ago, it'd be interesting. Um, I know we talked about this. Roy Jones Jr., if, is he a heavyweight? You guys said his last fight was at a heavyweight. His last fight was at a cruiserweight. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I don't really have any. I, I will over under, you know, whatever odds you want to say, the under is I'm not watching this fight. So Serious? it's not. No, I, I mean, if they put it on for free on ESPN, I may check it out. But I ain't paying a pay per view. I'm not spending fifty dollars to watch uh, two old guys. They're older than you two. I, I wouldn't pay to. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't pay to watch YouTube box. Oh man, somebody might. That wouldn't end. Yeah. That wouldn't end well for Justin. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, dude, I got the reach, man. I got the reach. I jab you your no ass power. all night long. You, you know, if, I, if, I, if I'm Roy Jones, if I'm Roy Jones, I am coming out with one rule and one rule only: we're wearing the amateur headgear. <laughs> Cover those ears. Cover them ears up, baby. Uh, I look, I I love Mike Tyson. I did. I grew up a huge Mike Tyson fan. I that was the epitome of sports. It was it was Mike Tyson and Bo Jackson in our day. Yeah. Like those were the two best athletes in the world. Like you didn't mess with those two guys. Uh, but but I mean the dude's in his fifties. I mean, I don't. It's the new forty, man. Time, new forty. Hey, yeah. Last time I watched a guy fighting forty, he got his ass knocked out pretty easy. So I, I don't know how exciting this could be. Uh, I, I, did you guys happen to see the interview with him and uh, uh, oh, what's his name? I was a sh- I can't remember. He, he did an interview with another boxer on a podcast, and he was sitting there crying about how he felt like a bitch because he's not not as tough as he used to be. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And I, it 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 just I don't know. That's not what I expected out of Mike Tyson. Hey, I no, guess. I, like, I, he he's been so north and south for so long. It's 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 amazing that guy even exists, I guess, anymore. Hey, I saw that, and that's why I'm kind of like, I don't know how you're going to enforce these rules because I don't know how Mike Tyson's going to hear the bell go ding, ding, and then he's going to go out there and he's going to, what, lay up on the guy and just box? Man, he's going to try to take Roy Jones' head off. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind he's going to, I mean, he's going to turn into my dog, a German Shepherd that bit me. <laughs> he's going to go for the kill. I don't know. It, I'll, I'll be watching as long as it's not too expensive. I don't want to pay for it, but you know, if you have to, hey, yeah, you may not see Mike Tyson fight again. But let's get out of here. Great show, guys! Special thanks to Connor Russell for putting this audio together for us. Be sure to follow the Husker Cuzcast on Twitter at Husker Cuzcast. Like us on Facebook. Look for episodes on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and BigHeadsMedia.com. Rate, review, and subscribe. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. Be safe out there. And as always, go Big Red.